today I get the privilege of talking to us about the circle of life a little bit. Um, Pastor, don't worry, it's not going to be a Disney story. Um, Pastor Steve started us last week with looking at Jesus and his life. Today, I have the awesome privilege and opportunity to look to to bring us to look at his death and, and what that means. So, something that we're looking at across this whole series is that understanding the reason for the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ empowers the church to live as our Lord commands. And this is pretty cool. This is an important thing for us. Now, this is not going to be new to you if you've been coming here for a little while. You know we talk about Jesus. You know we're all about Jesus. Why? Because he is all-sufficient, all-amazing. But in looking at it, I want us to look and um, look afresh. Look with eyes that say, God, show me, teach me, open my heart up to you. So we're going to pray in a moment, and I'm going to dare you to pray. A prayer that uh, Pastor Barry Chant taught us when he he came to visit uh, a couple of years ago. That I would have a sharp mind and a soft heart as we come to the Word. A sharp mind to grasp its concepts and, and understand, but a soft heart to receive it and own it for ourselves. So um, would you stand and pray? And I, I dare you to ask God that he would, um, he would open you up this morning to that. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we ask for sharp minds for all of us today. We ask that you would switch on our understanding. You would help us to go past the distractions, go past whatever it is that would interrupt our understanding of you, understanding the truth, seeing you and your word. Uh, Lord, we ask for soft hearts. We ask that you would break down the walls that would stop us receiving that truth into our lives. We thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So, Jesus, his death, and what actually happened? I'm just checking out our font size. It's pretty cool. Okay, awesome. I like it. What actually happened? Well, last week we heard a little bit from Mark as we looked at Jesus' life and particularly a period of what's called the Passion, the 24 hours leading up to and including Jesus' death. Um, Today I'm going to read from Matthew. Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 through to 54. So it's a good chunk, but it's important for us to not just hear and think of and remember the stories, but to go back to the source and hear from God in in it all. So, verse 27. The governor, then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. Pilate They've just finished doing this whole pilot. I don't want to crucify him. What's he done? Oh, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Release him. Jesus should be crucified. So the soldiers take Jesus away. 28. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. And they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. 
after they had mocked him. They took off the robe and put on, put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named, named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When, sorry. When they had crucified him, they divided him, they divided up his clothes by, by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him: "This is Jesus, the King of the Jews." Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, "Who are you to you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourself. Come down from the cross, if you are the Son of God." In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others. They said, but he can't save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let, him, let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then some of those standing there, when some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge, he filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. You can hear a crowd that's very supportive of him, can't we? Verse 51, at that moment the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who, with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. You might remember that the, the big news in the Christian community as the, the movie The Passion was released. And um, it's not often you go to the cinema to see people coming out in tears. As they were confronted with the brutality of what happened to Jesus as he died. Today, as we look at his death, 
it's important that we that we don't just gloss over it. It was a beaten body that hung on that cross. It was a man in pain and suffering. It was a terrible, terrible thing. And it is something that we would have been participating in were we there that day, most likely. I did. With my sin. It was it was being heaped on him at the time. That that's a sombre thought. And it should be. But in, in saying that today we get to look at the circle of life, um, we know that Easter, as probably the pinnacle of the Christian calendar, of the Christian faith, of world history, didn't end on Friday night with the body in the tomb. A bit of a spoiler alert. As we look at his death, we can't really consider it without remembering his resurrection as well. And this is important. As we sombrely come to the death, let's let's remember that and go home and consider it sometime. If you, it is MA rated, but if you thinking about it, find the movie The Passion and um, have a watch because it's graphic but it's something that's good to do every so often to remind us just what Jesus did for us. But now, we're not going to stay somber all day. Now it's time for a game show. I want to take you back to your 15-year-old self or up to your 15-year-old self if you're not 15 yet. We're going into a year 9 class at Griffith High School. And um, we're going to divide the, into two teams, okay? So for the next three minutes, we're at, we're at high school, we're in scripture, and you guys are all one team, and you're all another team. Now, we give out points according to your answers and creative thinking and different things and teamwork and whatever else. But we have a question for us to ponder. Oh, sorry. There we go. Jesus had to die. All right. You guys, you have to argue that it's true, and I want two dot points. Why it is true that Jesus had to die, and you guys have to argue that it's false, and I want two dot points why it's false. And you've got 30 seconds. Talk with somebody beside you. I'm going to hear a couple of answers in just a second. Why why is it false? Guys over this side? Mm. No, you've got to argue that it's false. Why is it false? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll come to that in just a second. Ten seconds left. Okay, three, two, one. Shh. Time's up. Shh. Okay. Um, 
we, we had some, something over this side, so we'll start on this side. Why is it false? Jesus didn't have to die. God could do anything he wants. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty good one. Okay, someone else? Yep. He could have saved himself. Very true. Very true. He was perfect. At the moment, you're sitting on about a three-point answer, which is good. Three out of five is, is pretty good. One last thought. We're, we're all, all done over here, are we? Yep. That's right. That's right. Well done. Okay, can we give them a round of applause? Because, you know, as well as talking about Scripture, we always encourage teamwork and good sportsmanship, and et cetera, et cetera. All right, guys, this side. Why is it true Jesus did have to die? If he didn't die, he couldn't be born again or we couldn't be born again. Okay, yep, very cool. Yeah, very good. We wouldn't be reconciled with God. Did I see a hand up the back? Or Yep. Yeah, very, ever since original sin, God had planned the answer. He knew the future. He knew Jesus was going to have to die. Anything else? We're all happy? All right, very cool. Can we can we give them a round of applause? Now, um, they they were some good answers, and normally I we it's a draw. No, no, I'm I'm going to declare these guys the winners just because. And, and your prize is a high five from me. Okay, so don't you guys try getting a high five later on, but you guys high five from me later on. Um, that's just a a little snippet out of a a bigger game show that we do that. Um, where we look at what he does, what he did, presenting the gospel. And um, we've had some awesome and interesting creative answers in the past because we, it's not just about what the Bible says. In we, we come back in and present the Bible answer, and so I'll do that in just a second. But, um, yeah, that was some good work. So, uh, we didn't come up with this side that he chose to. I was a bit surprised. I thought somebody might have come up with the fact that he chose to. But um, I would then go on and present in high school. Now, we're not going to stay here, but just so very quickly. It is true and false. Um, why? It was God's offer of mercy to us. Jesus had to die or we had no hope. Um, our sins had to be paid for. God is just. He couldn't just say, eh, don't worry about that. Can you imagine if you've a family member was murdered and the judge just said, oh, don't worry, criminal, you can just go free, just don't do it again. We would have this deep, indignant sense of injustice. And God is just, so he had to pay the price for sin. Somebody had to, and of course we weren't good enough to be able to. Jesus' sacrifice was the only way. So, as we, you're not in high school anymore, so we're going to explore this a little bit differently. And um, first of all, his death means I can have life. His death brings me life. As, of course, we just looked at, we had no other hope. I was born dead because of my sin. Now, um, you guys know my wife and I are 
having a baby very soon, which is very exciting. And babies are really cute. And have you seen any one-year-olds play together? And we think they're cute and innocent until you actually watch them and think about what they do. They're hungry. They just cry the house down until they get their food. They're playing together. Oh, just face palm. Just knocking each other. We are we have this in nature. We had to we had to have an answer so that we could bring life. So his death brings me life. And with that, a scripture from one Col- one Colossians oh, sorry, one Colossians. Colossians chapter one, verses fifteen to twenty three. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. So he was there right at the beginning, since the Garden of Eden and before. Things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So we know it's not just the Gospels, but the whole of Scripture declares that Jesus rose from the dead, but that he died as well. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. All of God's fullness dwell in Jesus. And through And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through through his blood shed on the cross. You and I have life because Jesus' death reconciled us to him. Reconcile. Re-establish the relationship. Um, Without that, we had a big problem. And the passage goes on as well. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God you were, and, in, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So Jesus died so that you and I can have life. Now this is big, this is massive, but it's also not new to most of us here today. If it is new, if you haven't considered that before, come and talk to us. Because God entered into our world so that you could have life. So if you don't know that life yet, you need to. And today's a good day to do it. But like I say, a lot of us already know that we have life. And so I want to take it further than that in this circle that we're doing, the circle of life. And consider the fact that his death makes it possible for me to die. 
Why do I want to die? Because I don't. I've got a lovely wife and an awesome town and church and great job and all these sorts of things. But I do. Because I know there's bits of me that need to die. There is this... Uh, this whole stuff at work in my life that I need to die to. That I... You know, you guys all know that I love the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it says, the old is gone and the new has come. And, you know, in the the biblical imagery or representation of in baptism, we celebrate the fact that we die. And this is important. And Jesus' death made that possible so that you and I can die. Why? So that we can become new. And we're going to look at Galatians a little bit. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That is, alive. again. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict to each other, with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. I need to die. And I put that quote up there because um, you might hear if you're having one-on-ones with Pastor Steve a bit this year, you, you might hear him say, hey, just die. Because it's an important and a blunt reminder that we need to die. But we can't do it on our own. Jesus' death made that possible. His death means I can die. Which is important. And again in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Anybody being crucified here? It's okay, you're, you're allowed to say it in faith, even though sometimes you don't feel like it. You're allowed to go, yes, God, I've said yes to you. My old self is gone. I have died. Paul, when he wrote this, wasn't living a perfect life. So, has anybody been crucified here? Yes. Good. We are dead. We, it's, it's one of those spiritual realities. It's already true. But physical things there, that it's... It's a past tense, but a perfect tense in that it's still happening at the same time. Um, so we are dead and we are dying. And dying is good in this case, of course. Now, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, notice as we talk about death, it's not all on you. Some of it's on you, but not much. Jesus made it possible. Jesus has empowered us to live as the church, to be his body and bride. And so this this word at the bottom, empowered, is important because you cannot do it on your own, but you also don't have to either. The last part of our circle, 
today. His death, what did we start with? His death means I can have life. And then we went to his death means that I can have death or that I can die. My life in Jesus means that others can have life as well. The world would be an awful lot easier if as soon as we got saved, we went to Jesus. Save them, shoot them, and send them to Jesus. That's the old tagline. But it doesn't work like that for a reason. Remember before we said that Jesus had, have, did have to die because there was no other option. There was no plan B for our salvation. The church is the plan A for the world's salvation. So you are the plan A for your neighbor's salvation or for your workmate or for your family mate, family member. God has called us for a purpose. We are not in heaven yet for a reason. So as long as, you got, as, long as you're vertical and ventilating, you've got to ask God what the reason is. All right, God, get out of bed and say, what are you, why am I here today, God? What is it I can do for you? And we come to Scripture and we find there is a big reason. There is a massive reason. There are billions of people dying without knowing him kind of reason. And it's much more important than the money we earn or the this or the that or the whatever. The reason you have life today and are still stuck here on earth, whether you want to be or not, is because God has a plan for you. Your life in Jesus, that is your new life, your resurrected life, can bring other people life. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, that's where the 1 Colossians came from, by the way, just, just saying, that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 9 verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul knew he was free. You and I have freedom in Christ. Don't let anybody take that away from you because they're not preaching the gospel. They're binding you up in law and sin and it's not how we were meant to be. Know that we are free but that our life has a purpose. So, Paul made himself a slave. He wasn't enslaved by somebody else. He was very clear in other places where he says, do not let yourself become a slave again. And later on in that same passage, it's not the whole passage, obviously, we, we then read, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Paul knows it's not him doing the saving, Jesus is the saviour and that Jesus' death on the cross was the one that brings us life. And we know that too. But the fact that you and I have been called so that other people can be saved is big. Important. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. And then we also have Hebrews chapter 12. 
verses, the second part of one and through to three. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been invited into a race. But you've been challenged not just to finish. We're all going to finish. That's a biological fact. One day you will finish your race. But you're challenged to win the race. God says run as, a, run as if you're running to win. Not by your strength, by his strength. If you're running in your strength, you're going to tire out very quickly. But running in his strength, living in the life he has given us, running to win, means that others will find life in him. Mark 10. Jesus did this. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Who is glad that you have been ransomed? I am. I couldn't pay the price. His life, give his life, he actually died. So today we've been looking at his death. I didn't do gory movies or pictures. I didn't want to because we can consider it in our own way. But we can consider it in the truth of knowing his real, actual, physical death bought me. Bought. Not brought. Paid the price. Bought. Me. So that I can have life, abundant life, real life, full life. So that I can die to myself, to my old ways, to my selfishness. Why? So that my life in him, that new life, that great life that he has offered, can bring other people life. And that, my friends, is the circle of life. <laughs> Understanding the reason for Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection empowers the church to live as our Lord commands. If you don't know what he wants you to do, find out. It's in the Bible. He wants you to be his, first and foremost. To have the life he offers you so that others might find that same life. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We praise your holy name. We thank you for this life. The fact that we were born. The miracles that happened just so that that could be. The fact that we are still here. Vertical and ventilated. Breathing in the air that you give us. Lord, help us. 
to die to ourselves, to live the life you've called us to, to live as your sons and daughters, to live in your empowering, to run, to run to win, so that others will find life through your death when you died for them. We thank you for this, Jesus. We bless your holy name. Let these truths resonate in our mind and in our heart this day and this week. Let it bring change in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.